Well, summer's just around the corner. And you know, summer's a good time for flip-flops, right? <laughs> so I, I was shopping, looking for a pair of flip-flops to, to replace some. And I walked into the store, and, and uh, a gentleman came walking in the store with two left feet. I'd never seen that before. She so had two left feet. And he walked up to the salesperson, and he says, do you have any flip-flips? You know, flip-flop. But if you have two left feet, it'd just be flip-flip. Did you ever try and sprint in flip-flops, by the way? Got to get a picture of that. huh? That's a good one. Well, God is good. He's been so good to us. And uh, we're just looking forward to all that he's about to do in our hearts tonight. You know, God can change your whole life in a moment. And I'm believing for that tonight in all of our hearts, that, that we would leave here different closer to him, walking in the light and the glory of the Father, that everyone we meet would be touched by his presence. The title of our message tonight is capital Y-E-S, exclamation point, yes. And the reason that's the title of our message is because through Christ, every promise that God has made from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, has been stamped, yes, in Christ. And if we renew our minds with the promises of God, we will personally experience the very nature and life of God. But I need your help tonight. When I point, I need you to give to me a confident and joyful yes. Can you do that? Let's try it. Yes! 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 Okay, you got it. Awesome. So, yes, that is the title of our message. And why don't you open your Bibles up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. I fooled you. You're looking at your Bible, huh? You missed it. Got to be alert now. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. Okay. And while you're turning there, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're so glad. We're so thankful for who you are. Lord, you've completely delivered us through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, you did everything that was needed to be done for us to be made whole, to be delivered, to be redeemed, to live life walking with you as your very own sons and daughters. And Father, I ask you tonight to flood the eyes of our heart with the light of Jesus Christ evermore so, Lord, that we would know the certainty and confidence of our calling in you, that we would know the glorious riches of our inheritance in you, that we would know the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of your power that is in us now and for us who believe, that every man, woman, and child that we come in contact with would be touched and changed by your presence, your love, your joy, and your peace. Holy Spirit, we're looking to you tonight to speak to our hearts through the Holy Word, to mold us and to shape us more so into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Got to be awake now. 
All right, First, Second Corinthians chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 18. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. This was his idea, his sovereign decision. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Let me read you some different renderings of those scriptures. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus, the great amen, God's yes, and our yes, together, gloriously evident. Yes. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. Yes. Amen. I love the holy word. It tells us things that we will not find anywhere else. And the Holy Word is, is filled with life-giving truth, with bondage-breaking truth. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the writer Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit, and he begins by comparing the message that he's preached, the gospel, with the faithfulness of God. He begins by saying, as surely as God is faithful, that is an absolute. God is faithful. He's saying the message I preach to you, the gospel, is as faithful, as trustworthy, as reliable as God is faithful. God has always been faithful. God's never been anything less than faithful. God has never been unfaithful. God has not become more faithful with the passing of time by practicing faithfulness. In fact, God is not progressive in any way. God has always been all God. Before, before America was, God is. Before Paul was, God is. Before Abraham was, God is. God has never learned anything. Have you ever thought about that? God's never had to do any research on anything. He's never had to use Google 
Not even once. God knows every vowel and consonant that, that Google has access to and infinitely more. God's never had to make an internal adjustment to adapt to the times. God's never out of date. He's behind the times, he is the times, and he's the future. God's never caught off guard. He always has known everything about everything and everybody everywhere at all times. He's God. All wisdom is in him. He's not progressively becoming more wise. He knows everything about everybody and everything at all times, everywhere. As surely as God is faithful, this message, this gospel is as sure as God is. Powerful statement. How ignorant we, we become or how arrogant man becomes when we think that because of our technological advancements, right, we've caught up with God or we've surpassed him. If you would take the most advanced technology that man is aware of or has come up with, the fastest computer processor, the greatest advancements in, in robotics or, or nuclear energy or medicine or science, whatever it may be, and you were to compare that with God, that's kind of like comparing a snail with a spaceship that travels at light speed. No comparison. God's infinitely light years beyond where we are. Infinitely. God knows things that we'll never know. We'll never come to the end of God. We'll never exhaust God as surely as God is. I think of when I was a child, I used to watch Star Trek. Any, anybody watch Star Trek when they were a kid? Yeah, and I think of the, the movies that came out when they went back to Earth, in present day Earth, and Bones. You guys know who Bones is? Dr. McCoy? Guy, guy needed, needed to chill out. He was always upset about something. But I remember this one episode, watching it as a kid, they went back to present day earth, you know, which was the earth we're living in. And Bones got mad. He was going through a hospital getting mad at the primitive methods that we were using to treat patients. Right? And, 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 and I think sometimes God must feel like that, saying, why are you struggling so hard when I've given you my word? Why are you doing things the hard way? Why not just receive my word? Right? As surely as God is faithful, this message that I'm preaching to you is. And then he continues with another comparison. As surely as God is faithful, the message I'm preaching to you is faithful. Verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is faithful. So this message that I'm preaching, the gospel is as faithful as God the Father is faithful. This message I'm preaching is as faithful as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is faithful. We know that Jesus Christ is the Word of God, that before anything was, He is. That He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like His Father. Right? So this gospel message that Paul is preaching and that we preach every Wednesday and Sunday is as faithful as God the Father and as Jesus Christ the Son. And he's not done yet. He goes on into verse 20 saying, For no matter how many promises 
God has made. Every single promise that God has made is as faithful as God is faithful, is as sure and certain and unchanging as God the Father and God the Son, and that is the message we're preaching to you. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes, yes. in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The gospel is faithful. The messages of God are faithful. The promises of God are faithful. As faithful as God himself, because God and his promise are one. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When God gives his word, he never goes back on it. Isn't that wonderful? You can build your life on the Word of God. In fact, I'd highly recommend it. You can completely trust Him. You can make every decision based on His promises. Every decision in your marriage, every decision with your finances, every decision in every social relationship, every decision in your, with your employment or your occupation or your profession every decision in your education. His promises are as sure and faithful as God himself. So God is faithful. The gospel is faithful. However, man is unfaithful. I'm not going to ask you to say yes on that. but Man is unfaithful. Man knows that he should be faithful, but that he's fallen from the faithful state in which he was created. You know, no one has to tell a child when they do something wrong. When we're, from the time we're little, we know inherently that we shouldn't have told that lie. I remember when I, I, oh, I must have been, I don't know, maybe five or six years old, and we went to the milk store. Where I grew up, we had a milk store, if you believe it or not. There was a dairy farm there, and they sold milk in glass jugs. Ooh, it's good. We went to the milk store, and my mom was checking out the milk store, and there was some candy right there. And I reached over, and I grabbed a, a bubble gum, and I put it in my pocket. And we got back into our green Buick, and I'm in the back seat, and I start taking off the wrapper of the bubble gum. And I look in the rearview mirror, and my mom's eyes <laughs> looked in the mirror, and I was in trouble. She knew I had something that I didn't pay for. So we got home, and I, Dad, Dad got, I got in big trouble. But I knew inside, even as I was doing it, it was wrong. Didn't have to tell me. Why? Because we know inherently there is a right way of living. There is a higher way of life. We talked about that a couple Wednesdays ago. There's our higher way of living, a God way of living, right? And we know that. We know that we've fallen from that. Now, guess what? God knows that as well. And God is not happy about that because, because he loves us so much. God created us in his image with his nature. Adam was created with the faithful nature of God. When Adam chose to separate himself from the God who is faithful, Adam became unfaithful. And so did every man, woman, every child that was born after him. We were born unfaithful. And God was not happy about that. 
God wanted to change that because God knows that if you're unfaithful, you have no hope. Your conscience will continually be condemning you. You can try and smother it and not pay attention to it and ignore it, but it'll just keep gnawing at you. And God knows that. God knows that without him, we can do nothing even if we don't know that. Do you know that apart from God, no human being can do anything? You say, well, I know a lot of people don't know God and they're doing things. Do you realize that there is uh, no ability, no talent, no wisdom, no knowledge that is good that did not come from him? But God doesn't give like the world gives. See, when he makes a baby, he puts all the talents and abilities inside that baby in the womb. And whether that baby, when it grows up, ever acknowledges him, he doesn't take them back. Because he's faithful when we're unfaithful. See, he's made, it's God's hope that through our talents and abilities, we would recognize him and acknowledge him and use them for his glory. But even if we don't, he doesn't take them back. You know, you can't hit a home run without God. You can't beat the Red Sox without God can't do it. Maybe the Yankees, but not the Red Sox. <laughs> you can't win a Super Bowl without God. You can't make it. There's, there isn't one person who's made a three-point shot without God. It's his ability that enables them to do that, whether they ever acknowledge it or not. Do you realize that? The world doesn't. They think they're responsible for the talents they have. The only way that would be possible is if they created themselves, which we know they didn't. So God sees that man has been separated from him, and his heart is grieved because he realized apart from him, there's no hope. There's no joy. There's no peace. That we can do nothing. We cannot fulfill our purpose apart from him. So God, the faithful God, sent his faithful son to restore unfaithful man into his family. The faithful father sent his faithful son so that unfaithful man could become his faithful child again. God is faithful. The gospel is faithful. God the son is faithful. The son of God was asked by the father to empty himself of all godliness and come to earth as a man. I didn't learn this in church growing up because we didn't teach the Bible. I didn't understand that. And because I didn't understand what I'm sharing with you, I wasn't able to experience the reality of it and, and take advantage of it, receive the benefits of it. Jesus came to earth not as God in all of his glory, but he personally assumed this unfaithful human condition. The Bible tells us in Philippians I believe it's chapter 2, that Jesus emptied himself of his godliness and took on the form of a servant. He was born a baby, just like you and me. With one exception, the seed came from the Holy Spirit. But he was wrapped in human flesh. Why? So that he could perfectly identify with you. He perfectly understands where you are. 
God perfectly understands what you've been through. He completely relates to how you're feeling today. Isn't that wonderful? He's not like the idols of the world that are untouchable and, and far off and unrelatable. He's the God who wrapped himself in your flesh, who felt your pain, your confusion, your doubt, your fear, your worry, your frustration, your anger, your disappointment, your depression. But he stayed faithful to the Father. If you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see Jesus refers to himself and the scriptures refer to him over and over again as the Son of Man. The Son of Man. The Son of Man. Jesus was trying to get across to us that he, he was living this life to identify with us as our substitute. To demonstrate to us that you don't have to live life separated from the faithful God anymore. That you, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you're dealing with, at any moment in time, you can choose to put your faith in His faithful promises and experience a relationship with the Father. So He came to earth as the Son of Man to perfectly identify with us, to be our substitute. But listen to me, his destination was not the cross. We see in, is it Matthew chapter 26? Somewhere around verse 47. We see Jesus nailed to the cross. And he looks up at his father and he says, My father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he say that? Why is that in the Holy Scriptures? Jesus Christ at that moment became sin, became unfaithful in your place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says God made him sin. That may not agree with others' theology, but it is the Word of God. God made him sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Much of Christianity has stopped at the cross. Jesus did not come to die. He came to defeat death. If He came to die, we're done. His destination was not the cross. So friend, don't stop at the cross. Keep on going to the empty tomb. But don't stop there because you won't find him because the Father raised him up. Keep on going to the throne of God because the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. He defeated death and he was victoriously seated at the right hand of the Father. But don't stop there because he seated you with him in heavenly places. Far above all principalities and spirits of darkness and every discouraging thing. The devil is under your feet if you're in Christ. The promises of God are if you're in Christ. You are victorious. You're God's child now. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. God is faithful. As surely as God is faithful, you're the righteousness of God in Him. 
Hallelujah. So when we choose to believe what Christ has done, our nature is completely changed. When unfaithful man puts his faith in the faithful God, unfaithful man's nature becomes faithful. It's called being born again. Jesus said you must be born again. What is he talking about? He's saying your nature, your spirit, your heart must be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. How, is the, how, how can I be born again? Do I have to crawl back into my mother's womb? That's not possible because he's not talking about your flesh. He's talking about our spirit. You're born again by believing on the name of the one and only begotten Son of God. By declaring with your mouth, Jesus Christ, your Lord of my life, and believing in your heart that God did it for you, that God defeated death for you, that God raised his Son for you, that God seated him at his right hand for you, and that God seated you with him in heavenly places. As surely as God is faithful. This message we're preaching tonight is faithful. Ezekiel chapter 36. Could you turn there please? Ezekiel chapter 36. I'm not sure where you are. This might be a, a bit difficult to hear tonight. Or it might be strange to your ears. But I challenge you to read the scriptures that I've either read or quoted or referenced. That you would know what God did for you through his son. Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 26. Now this is, Ezekiel was a prophet, Right? Speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, Ezekiel is prophesying of what God is going to do through his son, Jesus Christ. You've got to understand that. Hundreds of years before it ever happened, but nevertheless, he's prophesying about it. So we're looking back because Jesus has already come. So the prophet says by the Holy Spirit, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in in you. That's your nature, friend. I will change your nature. I will remove from you your heart of stone, your unfaithful heart, your heart that is indifferent towards God, and give you a heart of flesh, a heart that is reverent and sensitive before God. And I, and that's not all, as if that would be enough, and I will put my spirit in you. Not only will I change your nature, and give you a heart that hears my voice, a heart that is sensitive to me, a heart that is reverent and sensitive before me, but I will put my Holy Spirit inside of you, and I will move you forward. I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Yes. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, there is a sinner. No. What do you mean, no? A what? No, wait a minute. I've heard several, more than several, many, multiple, 
Lots of. Christians say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's become a religious mantra. It is unscriptural. Don't repeat things because they sound catchy. Because they're religiously attractive. Because they have the appearance of wisdom. The appearance of humility. You see, if I study the scriptures, I find that I have, if I've received Christ now, if I'm born again, that I'm not a sinner anymore. So I can no longer say, I am a sinner saved by grace. I now must say, I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace, and now I'm a child of God. Now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no arrogance in that statement. That's humility. Humility is accepting the word of God as he said it. Not adding anything to it. Not taking anything away from it. Letting God be God. And being who he's made me to be. That's real humility. So you've got to be careful because I see all kinds of bumper stickers and all kinds of posts on Facebook and online that are very religiously appealing and have, the, have an air of humility about them, but they're very unscriptural. And you have to watch out. I, people, I hear people say everything happens for a reason. Wow, that sounds good. But they're, what they're really implying is that everything that happens on the earth, God's behind it. That it's God's purpose. And nothing could be further from the truth. There are things that happen on this earth that are not God's purpose. That are not in line with his will. That God did not want to happen. God did not want man to separate himself from him. God does not want man to be depressed and sick and discouraged and defeated and poor and broken. That's not the will of God. It's happening in the world though, isn't it? Right? So the reality is everything does happen for a reason, but sometimes what's behind it is not God at all. See, see we're, we're in a warfare, aren't we? We're wrestling against spirits of darkness in the heavenly places. Christ came that we'd have life and life abundantly, which means that it's possible to not have life and life abundantly, right? Which means if I came for this purpose, it's possible that the purpose of God would not be fulfilled in your life apart from me, right? He wouldn't have had to come if everything happens for God's reason. Are you following me? He wouldn't have had to come. If everything just happens because God wants it to happen, there's no need for a Savior. Let's just let things be as they are, right? We've got to knock this religious garbage out of our thinking. It's not going to take you into the presence of the Father. It may pacify your, your conscience and, you, and your religious searching for a while, but the reality is Jesus Christ came that you may have life and life abundantly because without him, life and life abundantly is not possible. So we have to make a conscious choice to fill our minds with the promises of his word. You see, as we renew our minds with the promises of God's word, we begin to experience this life abundantly that Christ came to give us. If we don't renew our minds with the promises of God's word, we will not experience this life abundantly. It is a personal choice that each of us must make on our own. God will not do it for you. He cannot do it for you. He wants you to do it, but he won't do it for you. 
I have to choose as a human being living on this planet that I am going to accept God's word, that I'm going to search the scriptures, that I'm going to find every promise, and I'm going to put my faith in it. I'm going to meditate in it. I'm going to speak it forth in my life over and over and over again till it is as sure and certain to me as my own name. That if God has said it, I know it is so, as sure as one and one or two. That's called faith. Let's turn to 2 Peter. Faith is being sure and certain. If I'm anything less than sure and certain, that's not faith. So how do I... Become sure and certain by meditating in the promises, not reading through the Bible in a year. That's fine, and it's, it's beneficial, and I recommend you do it, but I've got to find the promises. It's the promises of God, right? I mean, knowing, knowing the, the uh, lineage of Jesus will help you to a degree, but I need the promises of God, Okay? Knowing who his great 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 grandfather is is fine, but I need God's promises because I've got I've got a need for restoration, for power, for deliverance, for health in my life right now. All right, so I dig through this word, finding promises. Okay, Second Peter chapter one, starting in verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Follow with me. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Here it is, verse 4. Whereby we are given... Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Why did he give us these promises? That by these great and precious promises you might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This book is overflowing with promises just for you. Just for you. But you'll never experience them until you find them and believe them and meditate in them. And speak them with your own mouth and believe that they're true about you. And that takes time. That takes a daily decision. That takes an unwavering commitment that no matter what I hear on the news, no matter what I see at work, no matter what my family might say, I'm going with Christ. I'm going with the promises of God. I'm accepting what God says. You see, Jesus Christ came in the flesh, did he not? And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... We see Jesus, the Son of God, who is the will of God, who is the exact representation of God. We see exactly the, what God would do in certain situations. Everyone that came to God, who was sick and asked to be made well, the only condition that he gave to them was to believe. 
Never once will you find Jesus Christ, the revealed faithful Son of God, the revealed will of God, telling anyone that it's God's will for that to happen in your life. Never once will you find the Son of God when someone came to him who was sick or, or defeated or in bondage saying everything happens for a reason. Never once. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? According to your faith be it done unto you. Your faith has made you whole. You see, we've got to reject this thinking and it's rampant in the earth. The things I hear Christians say, I think, my God, help them. Have they ever read your word? Have they ever made the person of Christ as revealed in the gospels their Lord? In other words, if Jesus said it, that's what I believe. If Jesus did it, then that's who he is today. If he healed the blind man back then, then he'll heal me now. Because his will has not changed. He is the will of God. The will of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you're up against the devil, you've got to be sure. The devil knows, but if you're not sure, you can't receive it. You can't stand up if you're not sure. You can't resist the devil if you're not sure. The pressure that he'll put on you will take you down. But when you're sure, he can't move you. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. You have made known to me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The Lord is my personal light and salvation. He is my God. Whom shall I fear? The Lord. The Lord is my strength. Of whom shall I be afraid? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As surely as God is faithful, there is life abundantly waiting for you in this word. As surely as God is faithful, there are multiple promises waiting for you in this word regarding the specific issues that you're dealing with now. And all you've got to do is get a hold of them and believe them in your heart and speak them with your mouth. Believe them in your heart and speak them with your mouth. If you don't believe them with your heart, speak them with your mouth anyway until your heart catches up. And as you become sure and certain, you begin to experience the reality of them. But only when you're sure and when you're certain, because that's faith. Hallelujah. But before we pray, I just want to give you these references. I wanted to read through them, but time is short. Psalm 16, verses 7 through 8, and verse 11. Psalm 27, verse 1, verse 10, and verse 14. Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5, 7 through 10, 19 and 20. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. That means every single one of them, little, medium, and big, right? He protects all his bones. Not one of them shall be broken. I grabbed a hold of that when I first read that back in 1989. Not had a broken bone. Don't allow it. Every time I've fallen, I've been hit by a police car. I've had different accidents, but no, as soon as it happened, it was already in me. Nope, nope, no broken bones. Nope, nope, no, it's already in me, too late. It's already there. So you've got to have it in you before it happens. It's hard to build a house in a storm, right? You've got to have it in you now. So when the rain comes, the umbrella's already up. So you don't get wet. John 15, 7 and 8. Uh, Psalm 121, 2 and 3, 
and 5 through 8, Mark 11, 22 through 24, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Philippians 4, 13, Philippians 4, 19, and we've got to stop. So if you missed all those, get the CD, write them down, and meditate in them. I'm very serious. Get the word in you. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's everything you could ever hope for and infinitely more, and it's available to you. 